Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Profit Roadmap. I am Cody Owen, alongside Bear Duplissy, as always, doing a little free wheeling, footloose, and fancy free sort of episode, driving Bear up a wall. I grabbed two people out of the lobby, and I know we've been saying this, the head of every SA6 podcast recording, but these are two of our favorite previous guests on the Profit Roadmap. We are sitting down today with Ryan Chipman and Brandon Brown. He... he positioned his name tag so that I could see it as I was like, I'm certain his name is Brandon Brown, but it was good to have the affirmation uh, from Schneider, Shrub, and Tree Care. It's good that someone has your back, because Bear certainly doesn't. <laughs> well, you don't have mine. I just returned why, the favor. Why are, we, why are we doing morning zoo banter? Why are you doing this to me? I'm sorry. It's, you know, that's just the way the cookie crumbles. It's like a popular line on morning radio, television, radio, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's popular. We need like a radio Babazooey television. sound or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, guys, thank you for coming down to our studio here. Appreciate you being here. Absolutely. Yeah, we love it. So what we were hoping to get is uh, you guys have both been on the show before, and we're hoping to just get like an update on what you've had going on in the last year. Just dive in. Oh my goodness. Successes, failures, fears, hopes, dreams. So in a year, I'll go ahead and use, I mean, we, we grew as a company. However, we did have some, uh, did have some failures. So I know Jonathan talked a little bit earlier about accountability in one of his, uh, one of his talks. And so one of our branches, actually, we didn't look at it close enough all year and uh, thought everything was going really well. And uh, until it was a little bit too late, once we started holding people accountable, had a few people leave, and so we have had to completely revamp uh, one of our branches. And now I'm glad to say it's actually doing a lot better than it was before, and it's back on the uh, the, the up trick again, so which is good. Um, but other than that, you know, that's a that's a tough thing to have to stomach as a business when you have an entire branch that you have to redo. When I say redo, I mean everyone got changed over. Well, not to pump rainbows into the situation or anything, yeah. but isn't that kind of nice that that you have built such a wonderful foundation of other well-run branches that when you do discover or one is left kind of put off to pasture for a while or, or ignored or the problems finally do arise, you have something to rely on to help the bit and not only help the business from a financial standpoint, but also when you do have to strip it down to the nuts and bolts to rebuild it back up, you, you, you know what a successful model looks like. Absolutely. I mean, you're exactly right. If we did not have the right people in place in the core of this company and we weren't the size we were, you know, I, I could see this being a lot more difficult if that were your only branch. Yeah. All right? But we've got multiple branches, so that, that did help the fact that we are a little bit larger um, and we have the right people in place, and we had the right people that were willing to step up when we needed it. Because we've had people that are moving away from their families for short periods of time to be able to help out with branches. And so, yes, we've actually got the right team in place to make this company continue moving forward. So, yeah. I have a question. I'd love to hear from both of you on this. So, I, you know, from as you both know, I work in the sales department, and something I hear really frequently. Uh, from members and, and non-members alike, just business owners in general, is and, and I love it because they have great vision and they they're like you know we're we're planning on expanding, we're planning on franchising here in the next year. We're going to have, you know, pick a number, you know, seven, twelve branches, 
you know, you know, by 2000 we're going nationwide, by two, yeah, we're going to wow. 2023. We're going to be in all 50 States, there you, go. you know, like, <laughs> I mean, and, and that's not an exaggeration. I hear those numbers <laughs> all the time. And, and I, 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 like I said, I love vision and you guys have been more successful than a lot of other folks that, you know, that I've, you know, that I've encountered personally as well um, as just from, from a distance and everything. But yet y'all, y'all haven't grown necessarily at that speed. Was that intentional or, and also along with that, with these visionary people that, you know, like I've mentioned, what would be your advice to them? I, I'll, I'll talk to that first. I think one of the biggest challenges that we all deal with in business is that one, we're excited people, right? Mm-hmm. We, we are passionate yes. about what we do, about the team we're working with, about spreading the good news that we have to spread, right? We, we do things better than anybody else can do them. Otherwise, we wouldn't be in business, right? That's, that's our belief. That's our core. That's where we stand every single day. And we take that passion and we want to spread it as fast as we can, right? We want to take that to the, to the next level. We want to see our team grow. We want to see our business grow, our future grow and develop. And sometimes we get caught off guard because we don't know what we don't know yet, mm, yes. right? And you talked about franchising. I'll, I'll speak briefly to that. You know, we have a franchise. We've got five units out right now. Honestly, when we first started this thing, we, we, we thought we'd have 25 or 30 out by now, mm-hmm. right? And, and the reality is there's only a limited number of franchises in the country that are sold every year. So we learned, yes, we have a fantastic sales process for what we do. Uh, we understand our business better than we think than better than anybody else in the industry. And we have a great process for teaching how to go do what we do every day. What we didn't understand is how to sell franchises, how to get in that national market, that very tight knit market and break through that barrier that would help people who are looking for franchises understand why this is such a great opportunity. So we've taken a step back. We're revamping our efforts on that to figure out how we go forward in the right manner and how much cash that's going to take to do that. And a lot of times businesses don't understand the costs associated with growth, right? They're thinking, man, I've grown, you know, to this level, you know, maybe I'm a million dollars, maybe I'm $3 million. I've grown to this level so fast. I can just continue that growth curve. And the reality is, is that there are certain ceilings along the way that, you, you've got to break through in order to get to the next level because cash is a real problem in these, in these levels. Um, I remember a couple of years ago, uh, Greg Crabtree was here at SA five, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was, this is one of the things that he really talks about is those growth ceilings that companies hit that you don't understand, right? Until you've gone through them, until you've been there, until you break through that ceiling, you don't understand. Now, Jonathan was talking about you guys's transition uh as a company and how he had to learn about what it took in venture capitalist money or or private equity money um what what that world looks like until you understand it it seems scary it seems you know like something you may not want to be a part of until you realize what it can bring to your company and i think the same thing is the reverse when it comes to company growth you don't understand all the pieces that it's going to take to grow to that next level until you go through some of those things. And so you think, man, I can just grow, grow, grow like crazy and, until we hit that mark and, and we'll be great, you know. It's very much like how battle plans fall apart the second the boots hit the ground. <laughs> like you can know like, oh, we're going to do all of these things. And then the second the challenges arise that you couldn't have foreseen because you haven't done this before, then it's, oh, all right. oops. 
Right. Well, well Bear, back, back to back to kind of kind of your question, the one word that we looked at over last year's sustainability. What is sustainable? You know, you can have these great visions, but do you have enough people that are motivated that also want to spend some time with their family? Because you still have to be able to live and work, not just 100% work all the time. You know, if we're going to be family-oriented company, you got to make sure people have time to actually see their families. So that, that was a big part for us. We're looking at it going, okay, let's throw some more reason, reasonable goals out there, realistic expectations as a company versus just sky's the limit kind of thing, you know, just massive BHAGs, as they say. Yeah. Well, I think, too, just to piggyback on that, the other piece about that is repeatability, mm. right? So a lot of entrepreneurs and owners – uh, will go out there and because they're so involved in the day-to-day like they they forget to train number two who then has to train number three and four you know to repeat that because as you grow you have to break those those processes apart you can't continue to do everything right if i'm if i myself can sell a million dollars and a company needs to grow to two million how are we going to get there mm-hmm. right and so that that a lot of times gets forgotten and that can slow growth. And that's actually what happened with us this year is that we did not train our leadership team in that branch to have the right culture, to carry the values forward, and to re- reproduce themselves the way we would want them to be reproduced in that branch. And so that was where our failure was. I think that's, uh, that's a great point, Ryan, because the, the one thing that I, again, when I talk to members and non-members alike, uh, the interesting thing about... Um, that I see is very confident men and women. They've, they've again, visionaries. They've, 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 they've built up a business. It's successful uh, to to whatever extent, and they're at the very heart of it. There's still this unbelievable, irrational, innate fear of training a number two. And 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 there's some great teams here at SA6 today. But I think when when I think of teams and, and great companies. I think your your company comes to mind at best because when I think of Tr- Schneider, uh, I think of the two of you. I don't just think of one or the other. I think of the, the two of you. And I know that there's tons of other people that you rely on for the day-to-day operation. You wouldn't be successful if you didn't. So I, I think that that number two problem is something that, that you know, I mean, for for lack of anything more eloquent they just need to get the hell over it right mm-hmm. and just and do it and find those <laughs> find those right people to put in place what, what what's your philosophy on that brandon absolutely i mean one person can't do it all two people for a company our size can't do it all we have a complete team of people that rely on each other and help hold each other accountable you know, that, that doesn't mean we're mad at each other. That doesn't mean we're, we're mean sometimes. It does mean we get into debate and have good arguments. Because until you actually start to have debate, issues aren't going to really be solved. And so if you've got a good, healthy, cohesive team that meet once a week, getting together like we do, then yes, you're going to start solving issues fast. And the faster you can solve issues is the faster you're going to get to that vision that you mentioned earlier. All right. So we both do the, the EOS, Entrepreneur Operating System Model, implementers of it. And we've got that in our company now, and it, that is what is helping us see the vision and, and have everybody that's there in the company speaking the same language, doing the same things, all on board with the same thing. So, yeah. hmm. ahead, I was going to say, one of the challenges that 
that we see a lot in, in a lot of companies when it comes to building those second and those third tier uh, managers and, and leaders is that people, people don't do things the way you want them to do them, right? Mm-hmm. They do them their way. However, it's not about how they're doing them. It's about what results are you getting? Are they carrying those values forward that are core to your company and, and which is, which is what your company is, right? Are, are they doing things that way? And what Brandon just mentioned, the EOS system, the entrepreneur operating system, um, that's listed out in the book traction that, that like he said, we, we both became implementers in because we believe so much in it gives you tools to take that emotion. See leadership teams, owners, entrepreneurs, they're all very passionate people and that's what drove them to do what they're doing. A lot of times that passion gets converted into emotion, which again drives away those number twos and number threes that need to be there in the company and this process helps to give those guys tools so that they can take some of that emotion out of it and make sure these people are the right fit for their company and doing what they need to be doing. And, and yeah, a lot of times we, we just get caught up in that emotional state. How do you guys identify those level two and three managers? Like, are you guys largely pulling from outside, promoting from within? Both. I mean, when it comes to to actual managers. <laughs> so the, the, there's a part in, in the, in the whole training process it's called LMA leadership management and accountability. All right. So our managers have to be able to not just manage, but also lead. And we teach them that process. But when we're finding people, a lot of times it's people that have come into the industry, coming into our, our organization, number one, because they fit the culture. So you're not even going to get in the organization if you don't fit the culture. So that's, Are you guys getting resumes covered in puns? Ah, that's exactly right now. Yeah, <laughs> that's once how, that's once a week, every Monday, that's where the culture comes from. <laughs> no, the, the part of it, we do have fun. It It's fun, for, for me personally, it's fun to win. All right? I love winning. And as a company, when we're winning, it's okay to have fun. It's okay to enjoy life, enjoy work. You know, people don't come into work every day and, and hope it's going to stink, you know. They come into work hoping they can put away all those anxieties and fears and everything else that they may have even in their home life, all that stuff that they've been thinking about, and they get to come to work, enjoy the people they work with, and have fun doing it. Um, but yeah, we uh, when we get people in and we're looking at promoting from within, they go through a pretty rigorous uh, interview process as far as us. Um, something called a people analyzer, where we're analyzing people and in, in their core values, and do they totally understand, and then do they totally want and get the job of a manager because if they don't it's not going to be a good fit that doesn't mean that's a bad thing if they're the right person we'll find the right seat no matter what we'll find the right spot in the company for this person but if it just happens happens to be a manager they're they're held to a little higher expectations than most so i think the kind of going back to what we were talking about with finding the right people i think the one thing also the kind of drives this fear that I was talking about earlier of giving up that power. So once, once these, uh, once these business owners finally relent to that and finally, okay, yes, I'm, I'm all in, I'm going to find, I'm going to train that timber too. And then they build up such a great person to rely on. And then that person, that person grows and, uh, in themselves and everything and in the business and everything. And what do they want to do? They want to spread their own rings and they, they go on to, to, uh, other opportunities, maybe even start their own business, which basically means, 
I've just trained my competitor. So has that ever arose in Schneider? And what, what's your all's opinion on, on that kind of fear? I mean, we've, <laughs> I couldn't tell you, I mean, out of the tree companies that we've inadvertently started in our market. <laughs> <laughs> and a long time ago, we, we used to get aggravated with it, right? Yeah, I mean, you get mad. You get all these guys, you train up, everything looks good. They're out there doing the right things. Next thing you know, just like you said, they're ready to go out and start, you know, spread wings. They start their own thing. And so a few years back, we looked at it going, you know something? We've got so many good quality guys that we know that are out here in our market that we've trained. We're really good at selling this type of work. How about we partner up with them instead of fighting against them? So we actually now subcontract or partner up with some of the people that actually used to work with us. And because we're good at it, we'll do a percentage split. We're taking care of our clients. We're paying them well, and we're getting basically a commission off that job. Yeah, that's really helped us with capacity. You know, I mean, everybody's struggling right now in our industry with have enough people to get the jobs done in the busy seasons. It helps these guys because they're not really good at sales. They don't like doing it. They don't want to market. They just want to go do the work mm-hmm. a lot of times. They want the people he's talking about. Um, that being said, it also, the other component is we train these people, mm-hmm. right? We, they know what the pricing should be in the marketplace. So they're not out there hurting the marketplace because they're making, they're, they're cutting half rates or, anything like that, they're actually improving the marketplace. And they're also raising the bar for all those guys who are the rude competition who are out there trying to do things, you know, just to get beer money, you know, by the end of the week in, in cutting the market rates down. These guys are doing right tree work. They're out there doing right services, charging the right amounts. So now it's, it's a fair competitive marketplace. And that, that really helps a lot too. So what I'm hearing is that because of the culture of your company uh, being one of excellence, when you guys create this competition, it you've been able to turn it into a benefit to yourselves. Uh, so where this fear that Bear's talking about, like the specific aspect of it comes from, is like, are the employees you're turning out that are going to start their own businesses going to run crappy businesses that devalue your marketplace because you trained them poorly. Like, right. (laughs) I mean, you know, we're a customer service company too. Remember? I mean, we, we happen to do tree work. We're a customer service company. Can, can a guy or three guys go out on their own and provide the level of service that we can provide to the client? No. So, you know, we're not concerned about that. Uh, We may lose a client here or there that was price shopping or something. But in all in all, our clients aren't with us because we're the cheapest in the marketplace. They're with us because we're the best in the marketplace. You know, we're, we're doing our best to serve them better than anybody else, not even close to what anybody else can do in our marketplace. And so that's, that's where we hang our hat, and that's what makes us different. Um, so you're not really concerned about, about somebody else doing tree work. I mean, it's great. Monopoly is not healthy for us. So No. <laughs> Uh, one one final question, Ryan. What do you think the uh, the impact on your business uh, Monday Punday has had? <laughs> Hands down, it's probably one of the best marketing tools we've ever implemented. And, and if you're not sure what Monday Punday is, go to Instagram or or uh, Facebook and check out Schneider Link in Tree. The show notes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. check out yeah. Schneider Tree and, and watch Monday Punday. Brandon is a a genius when it comes to Monday jokes. But but the, the more impactful than that really is the reason behind it, and, and for that, just Brandon, t- tell us why we do but that. This thing started. I didn't even realize it's been a, three years now. 
that I've been doing a very silly, very. Uh, it's a dad joke. Come on, dad in. joke. Yeah. I'll give you that. But for three years, because I used to hear people talk about work, and they would talk about Mondays. And they go, "Oh, it's another Monday. What does that mean?" Well, you know, it's Monday. Oh, I, no, I don't know what you mean. What are you talking about? What do you mean by it's Monday? Well, you know, bad things the happen fun on Monday. Times right? have ended. Yeah, that's work exactly has right. Begun, Brandon. That's what they thought. I'm like, this why got can't too much we, excitement? Why can't we come into work and be excited to work starting on Monday? Because again, we get to come in and do this thing that we feel like we're called here to do work. And so I was like, you know, so what can I do just to simply try to put a smile on people's faces once a week on Monday? And so it was born the stinky, weird dad jokes that I do on Mondays. <laughs> Go check them out; they're super fun. How do you? Why do you even find them funny? It's not like you get them. They're dad jokes. <laughs> oh. Dad jokes are perpetrated on kids, bear. Yeah. Well, I guess you qualify for that. All right. <laughs> As he said, link in the show notes. <laughs> Guys, thanks so much for coming by. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. thanks for having us. The music in this episode of The Prophet Road Mac was Riptide and Summon the Rock by Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com, licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. If you want to check out Kevin's music, it's some good stuff. Incompetech.com.